Alright, what's going on everybody? How you all doing? Welcome back to the Fanatical Viewing Podcast. Basically just a podcast where I sit back, relax, and I talk about movies or video games and kind of just give my thoughts on them. Just uh, in a nice, um, you know, laid-back manner, not really doing any editing or anything like that in this podcast. Uh, don't really feel like it's necessary, but today I want to talk about, uh, and actually before we go and start, hopefully this podcast is sounding a little bit better. I do have the, uh, like, uh, I did have the new mic in the last podcast, I believe, but I got, uh, you know, I got the pop filter and everything, and I got my new, um, mix amp that, uh, should hopefully be, uh, improving things a little bit and making things, uh, just a little bit nicer for me, um, and hopefully you guys enjoy the sound of it, but, uh, anyway, we're going to be talking about, in this podcast, we're going to be talking about the two first Studio Ghibli movies. We're going to be talking about Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, and we're going to be talking about Castle in the Sky. Uh, we're going to first start off with Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. And uh, this is a movie I've seen before, but I didn't really remember too much about it. And honestly, after watching it again, I can honestly kind of understand why I didn't remember all that much about it. Because this movie, it's not that it's a forgettable movie, but you could definitely tell it's, uh, you could definitely tell it's their first movie, and that it's a product of the time that the movie came out. Uh, and by that I mainly mean, especially audio-wise, like the beginning of the movie, before, like, the ship crashes, the, the movie is, like, eerily quiet at times and I think it plays to the movie's benefits sometimes because I think there are some times when this movie uh deserves to be quiet like it is um and I think it helps kind of the tone and the idea of the movie um but you could definitely tell there are parts where they probably didn't know exactly what they wanted to do uh like what sound effects to put there or something like that um but i really do like the idea of this movie uh kind of the story they got going on here with you know like humanity kind of fucked up the planet and now this uh this forest and these crazy insects are kind of taking over and then it seems like as the movie goes on we kind of learn that they are kind of healing the planet they are trying to fix it which um i think is a really interesting way to go and studio ghibli does dive into these ideas um like uh, environmental destruction in their movies they they do talk about it quite often in some of their movies um even in castle of the sky the next movie that i'm going to be talking about uh they do kind of touch on those subjects as well in that movie um but the beginning portion of the movie is is pretty quiet we see Nausicaa kind of uh flying around the forest presumably maybe trying to find some uh I believe she's maybe trying to find some uh not just understand she kind of wants to understand the jungle and uh see how the insects work and stuff like that and you kind of see her uh strive to do that uh, a little bit later in the movie when you see her secret kind of hideout um, where she has all these uh, the plants 
growing that aren't poisonous. And she has the water and everything keeping them alive. Um, but at the beginning of the movie, it seems like she's kind of gathering resources and uh, just trying to understand the, the world around her more. And uh, she finds that giant, the, the shell of, uh, what is it called? The Omu, uh, which is, I, I like the designs of those bugs. They, they kind of freak me out. Bugs in general kind of freak me out. And when they make them, I think, you know, the, the movies that scare me the most are the movies with big fucking bugs. Uh, as awesome as Starship Troopers is, if, like, if that was reality, I would just probably off myself. I don't think I could do it. Um, where the movie really starts to pick up the pace and starts to feel more like a tra traditional movie, it starts to feel like the movie has overall more volume, more characters are kind of talking, it seems like there's more music, uh, the movie starts to kind of actually feel more like a movie is when the giant airship crashes in the Valley of the Wind, and then you see that the, uh, I can't remember if she was like a little, uh, if she was a princess, I think she was, I think she was a princess who ended up dying in the crash or whatever, which is weird that they kind of brought her into the movie because she ends up not, she ends up not really doing anything, like she, she dies and then we meet her brother, I believe is, is who that kid is. Uh, we meet the brother, but, like, nothing ever comes about it. Like, we don't ever... Like, after she dies, she's mentioned, like, a few... Like, in a few parts, but then otherwise, throughout the rest of the movie, she's kind of forgotten. There's no sort of, like, uh, deep dive into why they, you know, kidnapped her in the first place or anything like that. Or she just doesn't seem very integral to the story. She seems more so a... A reason to introduce us to the brother character but then the movie starts to really kick off and you really start to get to see uh, a little bit more lore because you see that they have this weird insect thing aboard the ship and then they have to start looking through their crops to see if there's any like um, spores I think they're I think that's what they are just like spores or something uh, that are uh, that could infest their crops and basically poison them. Which is a really cool part of the movie where they really start to show you kind of the... A little bit more lore, some of the background information, a little bit more of the world that the... Uh, that the movie takes place in because it's really... Um, you really see them just going through all their crops, looking for these spores, having like flamethrowers and shit, and just burning everything, or not not everything, but they burn the thing that has a spore on it, and then of course later on in the movie they find a tree that is completely rotten, they even dig down into the roots and see that the tree is just completely gone at that point. So, some really cool bit of lore there, um, and then... Another thing that's kind of weird about this movie that I don't particularly understand is, um, so then this other kingdom basically comes in and it, it basically comes in and they invade the Valley of the Wind and they go in there and they kill the king with Nausicaa's father, but... 
And then Nausicaa loses her shit, and I, I, she kills a couple people. Um, but then all of a sudden, like, they start going off on this, like, we're not here to hurt anybody or kill anybody or do anything. They're not really there for evil intentions. Even though they just killed the king, you know, they like, like they just killed him. And they're, the, and they're there trying to claim that they're not trying to do anything evil. Like, what the fuck do you call this? Um... Just a weird, another weird part of the movie. Um, and then they pretty much take over the Valley of the Wind. And at this point, all this stuff is pretty straightforward. But then they take Nausicaa and a couple other people with them and try to fly to their kingdom or whatever. Before the brother of the princess that died got in the way and destroyed the airship. Um, but... What's really weird is I almost wish that didn't happen because at that point we do get to see kind of like uh, we do find out uh, a little bit more about the forest. You see them fall through the forest and they even fall through the ground into the sand below, which was a cool thing to learn. And we would have needed to get to that point eventually um, to learn more about the world and ultimately what the world is trying to do seemingly kind of fix itself a little bit. But uh, I really wish... And this is uh, my complaint with the movie as a whole, is the movie does kind of talk about early on, you know, the different kingdoms or whatever, because there is that one guy um, who in the English dub is voiced by Patrick Stewart, who kind of goes, who's been kind of going around to all the kingdoms, and um, he kind of gives some descriptions on some of the other kingdoms, and then you, uh, as he, as you come across other people from other kingdoms it seems like they know who this guy is he has some sort of reputation as being some sort of uh like a master i guess and I, I believe like swordsmanship or something like that um but like he he has a reputation even in all these other kingdoms but the the movie never really shows you the other kingdoms you get to see one of them which is the uh the kingdom of uh what is it called i kind of have a list here uh Pajit. Uh, which is the kingdom of the princess that died and then the brother, which they basically forfeited because it was getting overrun by Ohm uh, and the whole thing is basically destroyed. And now the the kingdom, the rest of the kingdom that's alive is on this airship or whatever. Um, but that's the only other kingdom that you actually even kind of even get to see in the movie. You don't get to see any other kingdom. You don't get to see the kingdom of the uh, group of people that took over the Valley of the Wind or anything like that. You don't get to see... I think they mention a couple other kingdoms, but you never get to see any of those other kingdoms. Uh, so I really wish they would have explored the world more. Because it seems like each kingdom is in its own sort of state of dealing with the world it actually kind of reminds me and this is a more recent example i recently saw uh raya and the last dragon the new disney animated movie um that i actually quite enjoyed surprisingly enough and i'm not a big disney fan but uh it you as you watch that movie and you go throughout that movie without getting too many spoilers you kind of the you kind of go through the the in Ray and the Last Dragon, that is, you kind of go through the, uh, Rhea kind of goes through the kingdoms, um, throughout the movie, and you get to see the kind of, uh, what each kingdom is like in this 
world with this particular threat. And I wish they kind of would have done something like that for this movie. Um, unfortunately, they don't. They just don't explore the world all, all that much. It's very much centered around the Valley of the Wind, which I guess kind of makes sense. I mean, that's the title of the freaking movie. But, um, you know, it, it really would have been nice if they would have explored the world a little bit more. They did do a really good job of exploring the lore a little bit. But if you're going to do that, if you're going to give me some lore that sounds really cool and really interesting, you also have to have... At, to some extent, you do need to show it to me, or else your all your explanation kind of doesn't really do much good at the end of the day. And now, another thing is, um, the the uh, the kingdom that took over the Valley of the Wind. They're called the Tolmikians. Um, the, the commander lady, I don't, she might even be a princess. I'm not exactly sure, but she, um, seems like completely fucking pointless. I find it pretty cool that she has like artificial limbs and stuff like that. Like she's been through some shit, but, uh, it seems like her, her character is almost pointless. She doesn't really accomplish anything in the movie. And she kind of makes things fucking worse because we find out uh, a little bit into the movie that the cargo that was on that ship that crashed in the Valley of the Wind was one of these like was like this sleeping or like it was like this egg of these big creatures that destroyed the world in the first place. And they want to bring this thing alive and try to control it like it's I don't know why bad guys have to be so stupid like. I mean, it, it it's like Jurassic Park syndrome, you know? Like, you you should know at a certain point that you're making a terrible fucking decision. Um, let's see, what else, uh, what else can I talk about this movie? This movie, it, it's kind of a hard movie to talk about because it's, it's a movie that is, like I said, it's, I like it, and it is a good movie, but it is a movie that is kind of hard to like. Mainly because it's a weird movie. It you know it's often very silent at parts. The story is kind of all over the place. It doesn't like to concentrate on one thing at a particular moment in time. The movie it, it, it's a hard. It, it's kind of a hard movie to justify why it's good. Um, other than, you know, you can look at it and say, oh, the animation is gorgeous. And it is. It looks very nice. Animated very well. Bright and colorful for the most part. And I have to say the English voice acting was actually pretty good. I tend to, I tend to watch everything anime related, uh, in Japanese with English subtitles. But there's some movies and there are some, uh, especially like, uh, Studio Ghibli movies that are dubbed quite well. And I do like to watch those dubbed. And this movie is one of those movies I think the dubbing is quite good. Except um, Shia LaBeouf, while he doesn't do a bad job, just kind of stands out a little bit. Um, let's see, what's the next thing I want to talk about? About this movie. 
Let me see here. So I kind of talked about, I kind of got this, some summaries popped up on my phone right here, and I'm kind of looking through them. Um, I find it kind of weird. The ending of this movie kind of, again, this movie jumps all over the place. It goes from, you know, Nausicaa just uh, exploring uh, a forest or whatever, then a ship crashes, they try to take her back to their kingdom, doesn't really work. The airships get blown at, or get blown to pieces by the brother of the princess who died in the crash, and then you have uh, uh, they try to they have to make their way out of the uh, out of the forest. They go to like uh, Pajit's Pajit's um, kingdom or whatever, but it's completely basically destroyed, and then they have to make their way back to the Valley of the Wind. Um, and then all this while there's like little stuff going on. Like I said, the people looking, the people of the Valley of the Wind looking through their crops and whatnot to destroy any, uh, contamination that was brought by, by the wreck. And they eventually find out that they missed something. And then all this time you see that, um, the... Oh God, what the, the Pajit people have gone through with this plan to kind of get rid of the Tolmikians by luring ohms to uh the valley of the wind and they do this by like injuring a um what, what, what are those things called ohms uh omus um by like injuring a baby omu and then like it sends out a shriek and it's like the other om the other omus are following that signal and just while they're doing that they're just demolishing anything in their way which is basically how they work they talk about it a a few times in the movie that ohms basically just ravage everything they they just run through shit they don't go around it or anything they just run through it and basically kill a whole bunch of people destroy whole kingdoms stuff like that um and now they're using an injured one to attract a metric fuck ton of them to the Valley of the Wind to try to get rid of the Tolmikians and stuff like that. Um, which is a weird idea, and it seems like a very risky one. Again, it's like, the stuff they do in this movie, like, it makes sense on paper, but it's like, it doesn't make sense for their own safety either, which is kind of, like, funny to me. Because I feel like if they're going to injure a baby Ohm and, uh, you know, transport it somewhere. They're taking kind of a big, big risk of doing that, and they better hope they'd never get caught at any point by any other, like, Ohm or Omu out there or anything. Um, and then the movie just basically ends with, like, I don't know, it, it's hard to explain. Like, she just kind of tries to basically make the baby omu like or om whichever fucking one it is um feel better or whatever because you basically the insects aren't the enemy or whatever like this is a weird fucking movie i have a hard time describing this movie there's just a lot of random freaking events a lot of just cr like crazy stuff in this movie there's a lot of events that are that 
aren't really tied together very well. This is a good movie for like the great animation, the great world building, great lore, and the characters are fun. But this movie jumps all over the place, you know, like, and especially the ending where, you know, she kind of um, rescues the baby Ohm or whatever, and um, she kind of calms it down. And then they all kind of, like, gather around her and heal her and do all this weird, like, stuff, and it ties into the prophecy that the crazy, like, blind old lady mentions early on in the movie. Like, it's... It's a weird freaking movie. I don't know how to, uh, oftentimes I don't know how to exactly feel about this movie just because it is so, it jumps back and forth so much and it, I don't know, so it has a hard time like staying on point and it never really explores the, the world that it takes place in all that well. It's very good at describing it. It's very good at painting a picture of what's going on but it never paints that picture for you it never shows you so that kind of frustrates me a little bit um it is a good movie though and i would highly recommend watching it and i can understand why at the time a lot of people would have probably really loved this movie and i can understand why i don't know if this movie was a huge success or anything like that um, but I could definitely see how a movie like this and Studio Ghibli making this movie uh, would enable them a, a whole lot of freedom for when they make their next movie, Castle in the Sky, which I'm going to go ahead and start talking about now because this is a fucking fantastic movie. I loved this movie. I, I didn't realize just how much I really enjoyed this movie I, I think i'd seen this movie like once before and i hadn't seen it since and when i sat down to watch this a little bit ago i really enjoyed this movie and i really felt that in this movie there was a lot of what there was a lot of characteristics that would ultimately be perfected in movies like spirited away and Howl's moving castle they're, these movies have so much in common with just, you know, uh, a lot of themes. Like, not only the beautiful animation and the fantastic color palette and the great voice acting, uh, you also have, the, you know, these super interesting uh, worlds. You have characteristics like, you know, these characters kind of um, coming together and kind of bonding and feeling like a family, like those type of themes. And the... Uh, you know, because like in um, Spirited Away, for example, you have where uh, Sen, I believe is what they call her. I fuck it, I'm like losing my mind with names today. But uh, you have where uh, Sen is what I'm just going to call her because that's the name they give her. When she starts working at the bathhouse, she kind of just really starts... Um, becoming friends with a lot of the people that work there and they, she really gets like a, a bond with them with um, God I wish I wasn't so terrible at names but the the lady who kind of trains her and leads her along the way or the boiler man um, Kamaji you know she really becomes like friends with these people and you feel that touching relationship and they do that in Castle of the Sky and 
you know, it's where they really kind of found these themes and kind of decided to use them in other movies later on. Because you really see that in this movie, especially later on when it comes to um, our main character, the boy who's, or one of our main characters, I guess, the boy whose name I do not, I don't know off the top of my head, but like how he kind of becomes friends with the, uh, the, the sky pirates, I guess would be the best way to describe them. Uh, they kind of become friends, you know, at first it's kind of like a sort of, you know, like give and take sort of deal where the pirates are, are able to get some treasure and stuff out of it once they get to the castle in the sky. Uh, however, you know, the, the old lady, the leader of the pirates kind of, uh, readjust, uh, she kind of starts feeling for these kids and she kind of, they kind of grow a bond. And I like these themes in Studio Ghibli movies. I really like that. It's just a theme I kind of like uh, in anime in general when people kind of just band together and become, you know, really deep friends. Uh, it's something that's really hard for me to describe, but I like these themes. I find them super enjoyable, super heartwarming, and I really like that in this movie. And it does kind of show up a little bit later on in the movie. But it is a really nice theme. It's something that I felt really gets evolved and, in, and is used quite, free, quite frequently in other Studio Ghibli movies like uh, Spirited Away, Cow's Moving Castle, and even Kiki's Delivery Service. Uh, but this movie is... is fan God, I love Castle in the Sky. It's a really good movie. Uh, it does have some problems, but I do... We'll kind of talk about that here in a second. Um, actually, we'll kind of talk about my first problem with the movie. And is really my maybe my only problem with the movie. I would kind of have to think of another one off the top of my head as I'm speaking. But like at the beginning of the movie, you have, you know, they're in this airship or whatever. It gets taken over by the pirates, and our main lady character, who, name Sheeta, I guess is her name. I gotta I gotta look up these names, but I believe her name is Sheeta, and um. She falls off the airship or whatever, gets saved by the crystal, and floats down, and this young boy catches her, who, um, whose name I don't know, Pazu. Um, and then she, she wakes up, and, uh, you know, they get, I really, one thing I also really liked about this movie was that, uh, her and Pazu get along, like, right away. I feel like any other movie probably would have had her kind of being really standoffish, not wanting to trust this guy, and he would have had to build up to build her trust, you know, like kind of like Kiki's delivery service. But um, I'm really glad that they kind of liked that she was innocent enough to start uh, trusting this, this boy right away. I really like that we didn't have this... Uh, you know, span of confrontation in the movie. I just kind of like that they, that she starts trusting him and they have this just nice relationship from the very beginning of the movie. I just really like that. I really appreciated it. And I feel like just about any other movie would have done something differently. But, uh, when she wakes up like the next day or whatever, um, and she goes on to say that, she doesn't remember anything, like, her memory's lost. 
But then, like, immediately she goes on to goes on to describe everything she goes on to basically recall everything that she's supposed to have forgotten like she sees the pirates she recognizes that they were the pirates that uh, invaded the airship she recognizes the people that kidnapped her from her farm or whatever like she recognizes all these people like she remembers everything and it you can't say that she doesn't remember everything after her falling from the airship because there was nothing after that point. There was only her falling from the airship and then waking up the next day. Like, the only shit she doesn't re recall is her falling, basically. So it doesn't really make any sense. That was, like, a weird sort of, like, why why do that? Why have this aspect of her losing her memory when she obviously didn't lose her fucking memory? Because she's sitting there recalling every freaking event that happened up to her falling off the ship makes like no sense um but then we get to a point where they have to uh the pirates start uh kind of asking some questions around the town and then uh, pazu and shita have to go and they have to go and basically run away from them or get away from them or whatever and i really like that scene it made me laugh like hell uh, when they go to, like, Pazu's boss or whatever, um, and they have, like, a, a muscle, like, almost, like, Full Metal Alchemist-style freaking, like, muscle flexing contest or whatever, uh, for the sole purpose of ripping their shirts. Like, that, that shit was hilarious. And then we get this really cool scene of, uh, Shita and Pazu kind of going along these train tracks trying to run away and everything, and, uh, they're just getting, like, bombarded from every front. They're being chased by the pirates. Uh, and then there's the the military people or whatever. And then they fall in this deep-ass uh, chasm and they meet this old guy. Which is another weird thing about this movie that's kind of odd. Is that... So Pazu works in this town and everybody seems to know who he is. And the town doesn't look small. I mean, it doesn't look like it's huge or anything, but it... It does look big enough to where I'm kind of surprised that everybody knows who Pazu is. It's just a little... I don't know, it's a little weird to me, I guess. But, um... They then travel on this railroad for a while. Presumably, I don't know how long. But before they get onto the rail railroad or on the train or whatever, they ask the old guy running the train to take them to the like the police station in the next town or whatever and so i'm assuming they're going to the next town and i believe at one point the old guy says that they're almost there or something like that before they meet up with the the military blocking the way forward so i imagine they made it a pretty good distance um across town or like a pretty good distance like away from the town close to the next one and then they fall down and go to this, or I guess float down, thanks to the crystal or whatever. They float down, and then they go to a, um, like an underground cave or whatever. And they meet this old guy who's, um, Uncle Palm, is that his name? Who, uh, eventually bestows a whole bunch of wisdom on them about, you know, the, the stone or whatever and the history 
of the the people in the sky or whatever. As I got a hiccup, and uh, he's giving them the, all this information and whatnot. But like this, Pazu just knows who Uncle Pom is. Like he just knows this hermit dude in these caves that aren't even explored anymore. Like how does how does everybody know everybody? And like, I was, I, I was really surprised. I was thinking to myself when I watched this scene, I was like, how the fuck does Pazu know this weird old man in the freaking, in these caves that aren't even like, like dug anymore. Weird. Um, some weird little things like that just stood out to me, uh, during the, during the time of this movie. And of course, not long after they leave these underground caves, they get taken into custody, they get captured, and this is, of course, this was a little cliche, but, uh, of course, the uh, after they're captured and they're locked away separately in this prison or whatever, they convince uh, Shita to lead them to uh, the castle in the sky and kind of break paths with uh, Pazu. And of course it works. And this is kind of where the interesting uh, relationship happens with Pazu and the pirates. He kind of uh, just convinces them to take him along to kind of rescue uh, Shita, which is really nice. And that's kind of where the bond with them starts forming uh, with him and the pirates and all that. And then you get to see that they're a pretty merry uh, a little bit later on in the movie. I guess you get to see that they're a little bit of a merry crew. You know, and they all really kind of, um, they all do actually feel like a, like a big family, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, I do like that. I do like that aspect. Uh, like I said, I just like those themes, you know, this, it, it's not this weird, awkward experience. They just feel like a family from the start. Uh, Pazu and Shita want to do their work on the ship or whatever. I know I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but just nice, like, theme throughout the movie. I really enjoy it. They did a fantastic job. Uh, Studio Ghibli just did a fantastic job with this movie all around. I really, really like like this film a lot. Um, what else do I want to talk about here? Um, so then after, basically, uh, Pazu decides that he wants to team up with the pirates and go save her at the castle, um, basically shit is hitting the fan. Um, and I don't know why. Um, it seems weird to me that... Uh, Shita recites this spell, which I guess her grandmother taught her, uh, taught her a few spells, even taught her the bad ones, because I think she says in order to fully understand how the good spells work, you have to know the bad ones or something like that, something along those lines. And um, so she decides to recite a spell and then like this. And this actually, I kind of thought of this just now, like, the grandmother can teach these spells or these incantations or whatever the hell. Um, but, like, and then you find out that the dude, like, later in the movie, you find out that the military dude is also a descendant of the people from the sky. So you have, so presumably there's more than just Shita and this military guy. Presumably there's probably a fair amount of families out there that have direct ties to the people that were inhabitants of the castle in the sky. And none of them thought to bring down any information in relation to how to get there or anything like that. Like, there had to have been 
at least one whistleblower. Like I know the military guy had the little uh, notebook or whatever that had some stuff in it, presumably handed down in his family or whatever. But like there had to have been someone with some more in-depth details, like, like, you know, a conspiracy of more than one person doesn't stay a secret for very long, you know? But anyway, um, so then the robot starts going apeshit, which is a really cool portion of the movie because I really like how, uh, how it shows the robot kind of really struggling in certain moments. Cause like, I think it's missing a leg and I think one of its arms is kind of busted up a little bit. So it's kind of, it, you know, it's not walking so well and it doesn't fly that great and kind of see it struggling in the little, uh, like in the tower or whatever, it's kind of hitting the walls and whatnot. Um, I really like little details like that. I found that pretty interesting, especially when they go through all the effort of, you know, drawing out this robot to be kind of fucked up. So, and then the, the robot just goes, just goes apeshit. And, uh, then basically the robot gets destroyed eventually and the pirates and Pazu save Sheeta throughout this whole situation. And then they're able to just pick up Sheeta's little necklace or whatever that's still pointing the way towards the castle in the sky. And I don't know why it would still be pointing that direction. I don't know. I, I would figure that once it's off of its owner, its rightful heir or whatever, that it would no longer point in the direction. I, I don't know why it would always be constantly pointing in the direction. That seems like a like a terrible design choice for whoever made that crystal. But um, anyway, so they don't really need her anymore. They just go in the direction. And this is when uh, Shita and Pazu kind of uh, go to the pirate ship because now they're going to go towards the direction where the uh, castle in the sky is. They kind of join the crew a little bit. And this is one of my more favorite moments in the movie it's just when they're on the ship and then like Sheeta's in the kitchen making food cleaning up the kitchen or whatever and then like every crewman wants to go in there and help her and then this small ass little kitchen is just filled with a bunch of dudes trying to help her with these like cleaning the kitchen or making the dinner or whatever and you see Pazu kind of hanging out with uh, the engine guy which is pretty cool I just like how everyone gets along and it becomes this weird just um cohesive family sort of thing um i just i find that theme to be very interesting and it's one of my more favorite parts of the movie and uh you know eventually getting past some hubbub or whatever they have to go through the cloud to get to the city one thing that surprises me a little bit is like i mean i know that the castle in the sky has to be pretty high up and I know that air vehicles are not exactly common in this world. They're not the most common thing. But, like, the pirates are flying around quite a bit. And then the military has whatever that one fucking ship is called. The Goliath or something like that. And, like, at no point none of them saw this. I know there's a little bit with Pazu's dad who saw the castle in the sky and took the photo or whatever, but he went into the, like, the hurricane-style clouds just on this dinky little glider thing. But, like, the pirates... Obviously, the pirates probably wouldn't think to go into the cloud or go through the cloud, um, just because I don't... 
I mean, under normal flying circumstances, who would even fucking think? But if, like, if you have the Goliath or whatever, I'm just surprised they didn't just say, fuck it, we don't need to move, let's just go through the fucking cloud or something, you know? Like, if you're looking for a castle in the sky, you wouldn't think, like, oh, maybe it's surrounded by, you know, these swirling fucking clouds or anything like that. Like, I have to imagine in my mind at some point, like... I feel like the castle in the sky would have been discovered like not too long after that point because eventually people would have gotten curious uh flying would have gotten like and I know Pazu mentions this that eventually it would have been found anyway because flying is becoming more commonplace but and again this is another one of those movies where you don't get to see the scope of the world all that much um however I, in this movie, I think seeing the scope of the entire world would have been more beneficial because then we would have really been able to get a scope for how common air vehicles are because someone would have gone through those clouds and found the castle in the sky. I feel just in my heart somebody would have found it. And, like... I have a hard time believing that air vehicles are super, like, uncommon because, like, this pirate crew just has an airship. And, in fact, they have, like, portable airships. They're, like, air bikes. Like, where where are they, where did they get this shit? Like, I ha stuff like that makes it hard for me to believe that airships are, you know, they're probably not common. But, like, it's hard for me to believe that they're super rare too but uh once we get to the castle in the sky we see this uh robot which is presumably until we find out later uh the last robot and he's kind of uh, just walking around hanging with the animals or whatever and uh one thing that was kind of weird is that uh those creatures were in this movie i think they were a type of fox the little thing that was hanging out with Nausicaa in uh, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. She had that little creature with her the whole time. Those creatures were in Castle in the Sky. So I don't know what the relation is. I don't know if the two... Again, I haven't looked into it all that much. I don't know if these two stories are based on like books or something like that. And uh, Studio Ghibli just, you know... Because they've done this with quite a few of their works. They, you know, kind of took a book and then made it into a movie or whatever. Uh, so I don't know if Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind or Castle in the Sky were originally novels of some kind that uh, Studio Ghibli made films of. But um, I have to imagine the two movies are kind of connected in some way. Maybe they take place in the same universe because uh, there's a bunch of those little, little fox creatures uh, crawling all over that robot. Which, thank God that that thing didn't die in Nausicaa the Valley of the Wind. I was almost certain it was going to die at some point in that movie. But it didn't. I was really happy about that. Um, anyway, so we get to the castle in the sky. And then, of course, you know, the, the pirates are taken hostage. The military is taken over. And then the, the, the head military dude... Um, who eventually reveals that he's a descendant of the Castle in the Sky people as well, uh, basically comes down and says, uh, starts showing his real intentions anyway, starts taking over the castle, which is weird to me that, like, his book 
is so like detailed in like where because in order to get to the room where the freaking console was that led to that stone or whatever that glowy that glowing stone um he had to find this super hidden like this secret door that led into like a secret passageway and all this stuff like so his notes are that detailed yet his notes weren't detailed enough to lead him to the castle in the sky in the first place a little weird but okay i put that aside for a second so then basically all the shit hits the fan this dude wants to unleash all these robots and basically destroy everything revive the the people of the the castle in the sky or whatever and just bring it back as a dominant force of the world or whatever with this crazy technology and of course you know shit doesn't work uh shito would have will eventually use a destruction spell to destroy everything it's one of those uh kind of harking back to earlier in the movie when she said that her grandmother taught her the good and the quote-unquote bad spells and uh, she basically destroys the castle in the sky. For the most part, anyway. And uh, basically making it to where presumably mankind will never be able to get there again. And even if, even if mankind could get there, I don't think it'll really do any good. Because it basically lost the bottom half. The only part of it that was left was like the tree area where the robot was. But... Uh, even if the humans could get there again, I don't think it would do any good because the bottom half is all gone. I'm pretty sure all the, like, weaponized robots that the guy unleashed are pretty much all gone. Uh, either destroyed or destroyed along with the bottom half of the castle in the sky. And then, um, I believe at that point, I'm trying to remember the ending of the movie. I don't think... I can't exactly remember what happens. Uh, I think that's. Does Pazu. I know they reunite with the pirates and then they leave. Okay, that's right. Yeah, they they out when the castle of the sky is getting destroyed or whatever. They make an escape. They fly off with the pirates and then Pazu and Shita um go their separate ways or go their separate way from the pirate crew or whatever and uh i believe that's uh i believe they were going back to shita's like uh home her farm or whatever uh because they mentioned uh earlier on in the movie i think uh pazu promised her that he would take her back and whatnot um and that's kind of the end of the movie and uh Man, Castle in the Sky is really good. Again, it has a lot of those, uh, has a really cool, it's a really cool adventure. I don't know if I could say that the story is kind of the, the best thing there is, honestly, just because, um, you know, it, it takes a while for the movie to get to the Castle in the Sky, and then when they do get there, they're not there for very long. Um, the best part of this movie is, is definitely the uh the adventure and just the really wide range of characters that you meet throughout 
throughout this movie and then just how they all kind of uh, interact uh the way like Pazu and Shita get along with the pirates and stuff like that and then um I do find it a little I don't know I really wish there would have been more detail given on what happened to like the people from the castle of the sky or whatever um and, and it is kind of said that they all just kind of uh it is i don't know if it's explicitly said but it is at least hinted at that they all kind of uh you know left the castle in the sky and i know there were a bunch of other ones that kind of seemed to have been you know collapsed or whatever over time or something like that but it seems like a lot of the people that were on this particular one left because they had this, you know, uh, idea in their head that, you know, they came from the ground. Uh, eventually, they'll return to the ground and, you know, that kind of sort of mindset. And they're just meant to be on the ground. Um, so it seems weird to me that they, you know, they all just leave, go to the ground and then leave like no real details about, you know, how to get there again. Or they just... And they just left it up there. I, I don't know what the the exact purpose of that was. I don't know why they would just leave it up there. Why wouldn't they just land it somewhere, you know, and make it like the centerpiece of their new kingdom that they're eventually going to start or whatever. Um, I know, it was a little, a little weird. When it comes to the, like, the actual castle in the sky stuff, um, the story kind of suffers a little bit, but this movie is very much, um, about the adventure of getting there and what they have to go through and just the kind of, uh, the people they meet, the friendships they make, and it's just a super fun ride and it, it kind of perfects or not perfects, but it kind of really introduces the themes that Studio Ghibli would kind of perfect in later movies you know these themes of uh unity uh respect friendship uh and even the comedic moments and stuff like that the light-hearted stuff that just uh the kind of heartwarming stuff that studio ghibli tends to uh make you feel but castle in the sky really fantastic movie i like the movie a lot it is so fantastic and nasuka the valley of the wind is a good movie as well However, it is it is a movie that is hard to recommend to everybody, uh, just because the the story is I don't know. It almost seems like the main like idea of the movie is, or the main story, I guess. Or the movie doesn't even really get a story until the last act. Um, otherwise, it's just you know a bunch of events happening, uh, and like just kind of abruptly changing every once in a while. Eventually leading up to kind of a story in the last act where the main part of the movie is just kind of... Uh, the main focus of the movie is kind of like how all these people are, are interacting or what the world is kind of like in this world of, you know, everything's kind of gone to shit and you can't go everywhere. Uh you know, without, you know, fear of being poisoned or whatever. Or finding giant freaking insects. But two really good movies. Nausicaa the Valley of the Wind is a good movie. It's just a weird movie. Uh, a movie that oftentimes is just 
defies all sorts of logic of you know film structure and then castle in the sky absolutely fantastic super great adventure i love the world it takes place in everything just looks kind of sort of kind of has a, a little bit of like modern but still kind of you know um old timey I, did, I didn't want to say medieval because it's not exactly it either but it's kind of a mixture of like old and new but not like too new you know uh, it does have a little bit of a contrast between the two you know old style but with somewhat current technology um stuff like that but really enjoy the really enjoy the films super fun films castle in the sky i enjoy quite a bit more uh than nausicaa of the valley of the wind i would say um, i think it's just a fantastic movie and i definitely saw many many themes uh in that movie that would uh, eventually be perfected in later studio ghibli movies um and used all the time throughout studio ghibli movies but i think that is all i have to say about nausicaa of the valley of the wind and castle in the sky i did kind of have some notes here um, about the general structure of the movies and kind of how they went and i kind of uh talked about the movies kind of beginning to end kind of sometimes jumping a little bit here and there to kind of get some points across but um, that's probably how I'm going to go about talking about these movies, um, you know, in the future on the podcast, just to kind of give some context of, you know, what's going on or how, uh, you know, leading up to why I think some things are weird, um, or don't really fit in and kind of getting into my, either my compliments to the movie or my complaints of the movie. So, uh, we'll see. Uh, if you guys enjoy that kind of format or if you just want me to fucking talk about the movie randomly as I go. Just talk about random things here and there. But anyway, really, really enjoyed these films. What, um, let me see what, let me see what movies I'm going to talk about on the next podcast. Uh, I think the next podcast is also going to be another double, uh, like a double feature um, just because on these two particular movies I don't know if I have too much to say about them individually but I do want to talk about them uh, that is uh, the Jesus Rolls which is kind of this um, I don't know if I would call it a sequel or what but it's uh, definitely a it's definitely a weird film uh, companion film or something I don't know to uh, the Big Lebowski uses the same character, uh, Jesus, whose last time I don't remember, played by John Tuturo? Tuturo? I don't remember. I don't remember how to say his last name. Um, but he's bringing the character back that he played from The Big Lebowski for this movie. Uh, God, it was shit. <laughs> um, but anyway, I do want to talk about that movie. And I did recently watch the live-action Popeye movie. Uh, with Robin Williams, and I do kind of want to talk about that movie as well. Um, so I'll be doing a double feature on the next podcast as well. Um, that's not going to happen all the time. There's just, um, every once in a while, there's going to be some movies that I want to bunch together and do some uh, 
kind of, you know, two birds with one stone sort of thing uh, in the podcast. And those two movies, um, I don't have a whole lot to say about those movies, um, except like just weird, random things because those movies are, um, well, they're definitely movies. We'll save it for the podcast, but those ones, uh, overall, my collective thoughts on those movies aren't very long, so I figured I would uh, bunch the two together. But thank you all so much for tuning in to this week's podcast. I'm saying this week like I have this podcast on schedule, but thank you all for tuning into this podcast. I hope you all enjoyed. I uh, hope you guys are looking forward to next week when I will be doing the Jesus Rolls and Popeye. Thank you all so much. Thank you all so much for listening. And I'll see you guys next time.